reach life, some rain must fall. But too much is falling in my into each heart. Hello, it's stage fourteen of the Giro today. Um, and I'm I'm very used to Grand Tours. I've I'm lucky enough to have been on lots of them. And normally, and this is what I understand the case to be, you you hold in balance all the time the, this understanding that you're, you, what you have in the palm of your hand, what you have lying ahead of you on the road every day is a balance of uh, the good and the bad, the light and the dark. And um, that's all part of the interplay that you understand is the natural order of things on a, a, an adventure as big as this. I'm not sure about this Giro at the moment. I started off in a state of semi-bliss and uh, it's become tricky. And when we descended out of Switzerland down to the finish line in northern Italy last night, it became trickier. Uh, And I was reminded of a amazing poem by the American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, um, who's a 19th century poet who wrote, I think, the greatest poem that's ever been written about rain. Some rain must fall, but too much is falling in mine. The day is cold and dark and dreary. It rains and the wind is never weary. The vine clings to the mouldering wall, but at every gust the dead leaves fall, and the day is dark and dreary. My life is cold and dark and dreary, it rains, and the wind is never weary. My thoughts still cling to the mouldering past, but the hopes of youth fall thick in the blast, and the days are dark and dreary. Be still, sad heart, and cease repining. Behind the clouds is the sun still shining. Thy fate is the common fate of all. Into each life some rain must fall. Some days must be dark and dreary. Some rain must fall, but too much is falling in my Done a bit of research, Matt, into the um, mighty granite eagle of the Simplon Pass. Do you remember seeing that? How can I forget it? It was um, amazing. Uh, I had a full swivel on. But yeah, talk to us about it. Um, it was uh, it was built. I don't know what its kind of like physical um, dimensions are. It's it's vital statistics, but I, I'd say it firmly falls into the category very big. Um, and it was built during the Second World War to uh, memorialise the contribution of the Swiss 11th Mountain Brigade who were posted up at the top of the Simplon Pass to watch over the Italian border because um, in the Second World War obviously Switzerland was neutral um, but, but was surrounded by fascist states weren't they so they, they were keeping an eye on uh, what Mussolini's intentions might have been in northern Italy so it was heavily as we suspected a lot of the buildings up there at the top of the Simplon Pass heavily um, linked to the fortifications in the Second World War and I think their, their barracks were down in that building at the bottom that we saw you, see, you, you wouldn't have seen it because you were obviously driving at that particular point and they were there was a barracks an enormous building in like a on a deep plateau uh, like a basin basically an extraordinarily large barracks grey building that I spotted um, in this Next to it, there was a, a building that looks a little bit like Colditz Castle, just next to the barracks. But yeah, astonishing. It was proper Colditzy weather as well. Yeah. And that really kind of added to it yesterday. It was just—it was an amazing. Um, some you know, fleeting impressions, visual impressions of that drive. I think will stay with me for the rest of my life. It was unlike anything else I've ever seen. It was. Well, we touched on this yesterday, yeah. but anyway. Um, so the inscription on the um, the eagle, the Steinadler. Uh, Adler is, a, is an eagle in German. Uh, 
says this. In der Freiheit der Berger steht es ein wuchtiges Mal aus hartem Granit, ein Gedenken treuer Pflichterfüllung, ein dauerndes Mahnen, willig und wach zu sein für unsere Freiheit. Which means, roughly translated, uh, it, it stands in the freedom of the mountains. Um, uh, what did I actually translated it properly somewhere. So, yeah, in the freedom of the mountains stands a massive memorial made of hard granite, a testament to the faithful performance of duty, a lasting warning to remain willing and vigilant in defense of our freedom. Um, I think we, we could have a, a, a memorial to the, our faithful performance of duty at the Giro d'Italia, don't you think? What do you think it, it would be? What, what World feed commentary terms? Yeah, what, yeah. what big edifice? Yeah, well, I mean, because actually, just, just back to the, to the eagle, it did, because looking at it, and it did look, the way its wings weren't spread out, it looked more like it was just watching and keeping order, and it, it almost expressing concern and a wary eye. That's what it looked, because it, its head was tilted slightly one way, yeah, but it didn't, it wasn't like, like a dominant feature. It was, there was something, there was, it did instill kind of confidence and almost trust. It was quite, it's quite nuanced actually, but now you explain that, it, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. But, um, so what would we, what would our edifice be? Um, it's a very good question. Yeah. Uh, just maybe a big, well, one of two things perhaps, a giant stone um, set of headphones, or just a microphone, yeah. or just a cup of coffee. Yeah, a big set of headphones, granite, granite, like granite headphones. Yeah. Um, and where would we place them? Um, Where do we most commonly? It would have to be maybe. I don't know what what part of Italy do we feel that we're in the most? Would it be in in the Alps? I think, I think um, Lido de Cavalieri would be quite nice. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that because because it, it's that's more representative of our other commentary as well in, in like Torino as well. So on most visitors, you know, down the years. I tell you what, as Lido de Cavalieri, yeah, okay, on the. The big, there's, a, there's a quite a big roundabout with several roundabouts on the approach and they often in the middle of the roundabout but with a fountain built within it. That's great, I love it. Yeah, yeah, roundabout art. <laughs> roundabout art, headphones, yeah. fountain and, and maybe both of our heads like, like two like bronze busts of just us of, of our heads and, and when, our shoulders. And when AI... With our lanyards. With our lanyards. When AI is doing the World Feed commentary on the Tirreno Adriatico 2048... Um, you know, that it'll just chip in suddenly with, and you'll notice there in the middle of the roundabout as they approach 3k to go in the opening team time trial, uh, the memorial there to Matt Stevens and Ned Bolting, who were uh, world feed commentators between roughly 2016 and um, 2023 when their contract was suddenly terminated. <laughs> That's cool. But can you imagine somebody, maybe... In 40 years, that's on the telly, okay, and you've got the little, uh, little graphic, and then they, also there's the, there's the motorbike shot as it passes, but then a long, drawn-out heli shot as well. But also, a couple of people our age at some kind of space-age cafe with hoverboards, podding <laughs> and having to look up about the headphones and then podding about what we're just podding. So we're podding in the past about the future, and they're going to be podding the future about the past. Well, if you're listening, because they might be able to listen to our pod uh, in the future, they might be listening well, now, yeah. um, do drop us a line, a voice note, uh, yeah. we'd like to include, you know, a voice from the future. Um, talking of which, let's hear from Chorley, Ca- Ch- Chorley Cortamon. <laughs> Chorley, Chorley, Chorley Cortamon. Uh, whoa, this is, uh, this is quite interesting what Chorley has to say today. <sighs> well, that was probably the, the darkest day of the zero so far for me. Um, <clears throat> although I finished in a big gruppetto of uh, of 65 riders or so it was just not very nice um, I was happy that they made the decision to shorten stage because the rain was pretty horrific at the start and there were a lot of people ill in the peloton but, uh, so I'm not complaining <laughs> I did feel a little bit guilty um, when at, on the way to the new start the weather kind of turned around a little bit and it wasn't raining quite so bad and clearly uh, the fans in the Valle d'Osta were pretty pretty angry the booze and uh, thumbs down as we were passing uh, passing through the villages on, on the way up up and over into Switzerland but the shortened stage was just whew, I need to watch out to not use expletives here but not very nice I just I'll use a sound <sighs> 
we had to go fully gas everyone on the first climb because, uh, well, with a shortened stage, there's also a shortened time time limit. So you had to be really careful. And uh, even the Gruppetta, I think only maybe the Cavendish Gruppetta was a little bit easier. But um, no, it was, it was very tough. And uh, luckily I went down descent fast and found the found the big group the groups kind of clumped together and uh after riding the valley very fast i think in the valley we we averaged about 58 or 60 kilometers per hour as we uh steamed towards the uh, the bottom of the final climb and then you know that when we saw how much time we had left so it was okay we calmed down but all this on a day where i'm feeling a little bit under the weather um was not fun it might, might be a little bit mental because i, I knew i didn't, didn't Luke wasn't looking forward to today, but um, listen, there's definitely a little bit of something there, and uh, yeah, I had to suffer through. But uh, that's the that's the zero. That's how it is. Anyway, another day tomorrow, we'll see. Either I'm good and I go for the breakaway, or I'm not so good and I and I try and hide myself and and survive. So that was a whole Ciao. aspect, Matt, of um, of yesterday's transfer that I hadn't really thought about before. But what uh, Charlie was saying about this slight sense of guilt and unease, looking out the windows of his team bus and going past all the tifosi who were giving them there, obviously expressing expressing their uh, outrage at the decision that had been taken. I mean, it doesn't alter the fact that I do understand what the riders were feeling, but it's it's kind of an interesting extra dimension, isn't it? You know, p- people do go out their way to support this race by the side of the road yeah I must have even even as an ex-rider I never considered that I, all, all we're focused on is okay the the, the politics the dynamics um, of the decision making process and then the logistical element of it which we, we talk about because it is of interest it must be quite chaotic and stressful but one thing I don't think we've ever touched on is the fans that have travelled probably some reasonable distances quite often on their bikes in bad weather uh, waiting only to be told probably just through social media um, that they're not there so there's going to be some sort of disappointment um, but yeah that's quite I'm, I'm loving Charlie's um, Charlie's little monologues I think they're they're brilliant um, I'm, uh, yeah really, but again if you're listening Charlie which you will be uh, Kevin come I'm, I'm loving them but you are giving us uh, you're making us think a little bit differently and it yeah. reminds me of when I was a rider and the, also the the, the the gradual fatigue that seeps into your body and but um, Especially given this weather, um, it's kind of yeah. There's almost like a malaise that's sort of dropped over the race now, and um, yeah, it's yeah. Sorry, I just drifted off. Uh, I had my own. I had my own personal malaise then, yeah. um, uh, which has been tempered by the lovely smell in this establishment we're in. Yeah. So we woke up in an airport hotel in Mal, uh, Mal, just close to Malpensa, and then we got going. Just a short drive, and we've arrived at the finish line here in Casano uh, Maniago. Uh, which is a, a really, I mean, for Giro standards, a really small town to be hosting the arrival, isn't it, um, of the uh, of the Giro d'Italia? And about, we've just passed the Intimissimi Uomo sign. It's 19, no, 1,600 metres to go, isn't it? Yeah, 1,500 metres to go, the pants sign, we call it. They sponsor, I think we talked about it before, the 1,900 metres to go pants sign. And then 50, 1,500 metres, 15, I think. I think it was, it's either 15 or 16 <laughs> and 19. It varies every day. It's, yeah. It's, it's always 1,900. It's clearly... I, clearly, there's a deal to be done on each stage. Uh, maybe some of the more premium 1500 meters yeah. are a bit more expensive. But then, in a town like a slightly smaller town, yeah. like maybe a slightly smaller budget, yeah. they can come in uh, and go 1500 meters because it's all to me. It's all about zeros and fives. A bit cheaper when it's nines and sevens and the other numbers in between the zeros and fives. Yeah, but we've arrived at um, what is an absolutely lovely cafe. It's got some. It's quite modern decor actually. Modern, yeah. Um, and it's called the, uh, just to give them a bit of a name, it's called the Colombo uh, Cafe Restaurant. It's not, it's not um, 1933 for some reason. I don't know whether they, they, we should ask them. Our Italian's probably not up to it. We should ask them why it's 1933. Perhaps it was founded in 1933, but it's been redecorated as recently as last week, I think. It's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite shiny, but it's still quite welcoming. Um, I would imagine it's maybe built on the site of a, a pre-existing cafe, I would imagine, because it's this 1933, just behind you, Ned, as well, written in the kind of deco logo is, back, is, is there. But it's just the smell. Um, I did a post on my stories um, a few moments ago trying to waft the smell of the pizzas into my phone yeah. so my, my, the people that are going to watch that can get a sense of what the smell's like. But again, most people know what pizza smells like, but this place in particular, it just smells brilliant, doesn't it? And, and I... So when you did your internet post, your social media post, 
you just walked in basically I went up to the counter to order the coffees you strolled in in your very identifiable clothing let's put it that way you were wearing you're wearing a mass you're wearing a Giro d'Italia t-shirt with the words Giro d'Italia in enormous letters on it over which you're wearing a, a kind of capa blouson um, with the words Giro d'Italia in even bigger letters on it and just um, you're wearing a, a lanyard that says Giro d'Italia with a Giro d'Italia accreditation and just for the avoidance of doubt on your left uh, bicep you've got uh, the words Giro d'Italia just in case somebody <laughs> catches me on my side profile and aren't sure uh, <laughs> and on your right bicep you've got just a massive Italian flag yeah. and you look a bit like Franco Pilizzotti. Um so there, was a, there might have been a there might have been a moment where she you know her heart skipped a beat as she thought the great Pelototti has come in but she would have been disrobed of that um, illusion fairly swiftly as you whipped out your iPhone turned turned your back to her um, because you wanted the cafe behind uh, you in the in shots because you were thinking of how yeah. to cinematograph your, your post and you just started babbling on about her pizzas and wafting your hand in the direction of that and into towards your nose um, she then stared at you frankly in total bemusement and then um, disintegrated into um, <laughs> like complete hysteria because yeah. it might have been the funniest thing that's ever happened in the Colombo cafe yeah I, I, now I think back I've, I've, probably the first time I've ever tried to waft the smell of something into a technology An iPhone I, it's, I mean it's, it's modern technology but just not quite there yet I mean uh, I'm wondering if that, if that will be something we can do in the future but not now but my, my, my point being <laughs> is that the, you know that they're not long days but one of the things that, that that gives me hope in a in a day like this um is a great bit of food at half time whenever that might be i try and well today it's going to be at kilometer 194 divided by two um at 98 yeah maybe yeah maybe 90 yeah nice yeah, yeah. yeah or seven 97 Ni- yeah 97 97 times 2 is 194. Got it. Yeah, we got the yes. So, I was going to say, anybody know, knows the mask, get in touch on Twitter, like you have been doing. You've been, you've been, you've been great. But yeah. So that half time, and that would take us... We, well, interesting time to try and eat pizza, that would be, Matt, because if you wanted to take a big bite of pizza, a kilometre, 97 to go, you'd have to be careful with that, because you would be um, 4.7 kilometres from the first of the two intermediate sprints of Villa Dossola. Uh, which there are 12 points in the Malio Ciclamino competition potentially available. So it's a hazardous place to take a big bite of pizza. It's a hazardous place, especially if you want to get involved in the sprints and what I'm aware of. I mean, quite often when one of us pops out for a nature break or for a quick coffee, bit of fresh air, five minutes, grab something to eat, um, we generally do it at a point where there's not a lot necessarily of heavy lifting. But So if I went out during that sprint, you'd have to call the sprint and then deconstruct the replays quite a lot going on and you need you need two of you don't you for that sort of thing so so what i'm going to do i think is post sprint then i'm going to i'm going to go there i'm going to, I'm going to have the pizza there but for me it's like it's a big chunk of the day done and, and it's just it's something that is enormously important it's like a when i was a kid i used to l- live for the weekends i wasn't a big fan of school sometimes so but the, the the weekends i thought there were two there were basically islands and i was in the sea drowning and I used to get through, and the weekend was like, and then back in the sea, drowning for a week. Right. Yeah, or, <coughs> or a giant suspension bridge where the big tall struts were the weekend, and then the week was a descending curve, and then and that's in my mind what the weeks were like. So like Wednesday was like the very bottom of the of the of the of the, of the um, yeah the the, the steel, uh, steel kind of bits the, yeah, cables the steel bits, yeah the steel cables. Um, wow. Yeah. Do you know I, another thing? Just a quickie about about suspension bridges. They're not built to last forever. And, and I wondered how they... Because steel breaks and fatigues. Corrodes. Corrodes. Fatigues. Fatigues, yeah. That's the best, a better word, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the way that they check, and they're made of m- multiple fibres inside, the, the, the big, enormous, twisted steel cables, singular fibres, and the way they test for the stress and when, when they need to be replaced, it, well in advance, they, there's basically um, devices at certain points along the, st- the, the cables that listen and record the sounds of the strands breaking. They go ding, and that's recorded. And when a certain amount of the strands are broken, they will then, and, it, 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 and it's, its strength is reduced, that's when they replace the cables. But it's, it's sonic, that's how they test, because they can't see inside the cables, but they can hear when they, when the fight, when they break. That sounds a little bit like um, being a seismologist. 
like yeah. listening for the signs of Etna about, yeah, exactly. to, about to erupt. Yeah, yeah. you can think preemptive. Ding. Yeah, but is there, is there a total science to that? What if you're listening and it goes ding, fine, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Yeah, just get get everyone off the bridge get now. The bridge. Yeah, yeah, clear. So bridge. Etna, Etna. Hey, those those photos. So when was it? A couple of nights ago. Um, I was just about to go to sleep, and you pinged a few photos from in the, into our WhatsApp group. Uh, the photos of Etna. Um, I immediately sent them to Holly, my wife, and she was like, "Oh my god," because um, we'd obviously been there a few weeks ago. Then I tried to search it on the internet and didn't really find much. And 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 Holly got back to me and said. Is that, I can't find much either. Is that something quite normal? And it appears that it is, but those pictures are just incredible, weren't they? I mean, utterly incredible. The, the size, the scale of that lava flow, uh, just, and that's quite normal. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, it looked like it was kilometers and kilometers yeah. of it uh, heading down down the eastern flank of Mount Etna. Uh, it's a southeastern crater at the moment that's particularly active and that had been blowing out gas for days and the seismologists could kind of tell it was about to happen. And then this big lava flow, big sort of, well, first of all, there's a big crater eruption that went up in the sky and then the lava flow started to come down. It's, it's just coursing down the mountain at the moment. And uh, it does this from time to time. It was active again in February this year. It's had an active year, Matt. Yeah. It's had an active year. And we know that mountain really well because we do the Giro di Sicilia every year, done it for a number of years. And normally the Giro goes there as well. So we've been, we spent a fair amount of time over recent years in the, sl- the lower slopes of Etna, often on that side of the mountain as well, the Catania side. Yeah. And we've seen at first hand these lava flows when they've cooled and how they try to dig trenches to divert them and um, occasionally they, they just can't. So uh, I stayed in a hotel once called the Old Oak Tree Hotel, the New Oak Tree Hotel, translated, because the Old Oak Tree Hotel had been, yeah, about six years previously, had just been um, engulfed with a lava flow. So they, they, live, they live with this, but it is, on the face of it, just, oh my God. Yeah, I, I, I was transfixed by those images. I was utterly transfixed. Yeah. Uh, but it's clearly something to live with and just to follow on from what you were saying I mean when we've been to I think it was a couple of years ago at Sicilia the late edition of Sicilia when we had the darker evenings because it was in October um, I went out for a walk well you could see it everywhere just people sweeping their, their cars covered in in, in, in ash um, like snow like black snow but people's and, and they're swept into the curb it's, it's clearly something they live with all the time but uh, it yeah, it's, we just, it's difficult to comprehend, isn't it, from yeah. something that you just want to get out of there, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. And it's one of, did you say, was it Catania's on red alert or something? Yeah, the whole area is on yeah. red alert yeah. for, for possible evacuation, yeah. I mean, um, and it struck a particular chord with me because, uh, you know, I've got in a few weeks' time, June the 22nd, my book 1923 comes out, which is largely about the 1923 Tour de France and this bit of found footage. Um, but, but there are, the equal part of the story is everything that's going on in the world in 1923, which I became absolutely fascinated by. And one of the small details or threads of that is that in 1923, in the summer of 1923, Etna was more active than it's been for 100 years. It was an incredibly uh, active year for, for Etna. And uh, the little town of Fiumifredo, which we've often, I think, either stayed in or been through on the Giro di Sicilia, was partially completely destroyed in 1923. So... Um, Exactly 100 years on, it's happening again. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, it was interesting that we, got that, that we got that news when we were right up at the very northernmost point of the, you know, uh, and a long, long way from Etna. But I think we both feel quite attached to yeah. Sicily and to, to that mountain. So it's, it's pretty dramatic stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, all right, should we, go, should we go and get set up? We should go to, a, go to the booth and, uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, Let's see. And also find out whether there's any kind of sense that they might cut out the Simplon Pass because it started raining down here near Milan, you know, where we're finishing today. It's, it's, and the forecast is for further rain in the afternoon and I don't know if that, it's going to be cold at that. But it's just going to be a tough, tough day out for them, isn't it, over the top of that Simplon Pass? Yeah, it's 10.50 so that they start in uh, well, about an hour and 15 minutes. We come on air about 10, 15 minutes generally. The world feed starts. 10, 15 minutes before they actually roll off. Nothing's come through yet. No, uh, I, think gonna gonna I think they're going to ride it. They're going to ride it. It's going to be cold. I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But they, they won't be looking at the views. They'll be just thinking about keeping themselves warm, and yeah. we'll see what happens. But yeah, I hope they get helicopters go. up though. We can have a look at the Steinadler. Definitely. Good luck with the commentating, Matt. Thanks very much uh, indeed. I always look forward to commentating, um, which deconstructors is basically talking about cycling for a very long time. That's the plan. 
Hello and welcome. The Giro d'Italia crosses the border again today, heading once more for home. But to get over into Italy, there's the small matter of the mighty Simplon Pass, topping out at over 2,000 metres, the formidable natural barrier separating Italy from Switzerland. If they get over that in one piece, it could yet be a bunch sprint. She is coming! She is coming with a lunge! Derichi! Nico Dent! Oh! Oh! Oh, I'm not sure! Dent gets it! Who's going to start? Who's going to kick it off? Who's going to get the pod going? Who's going to who's going to come in with a crisp observation, or maybe a joke, or even a song? I think you just have Ned, or we could talk about the fact that Pete's looking like a vampire. <laughs> I just described the. Look. I'm just going to describe the look to the listener. You just kind of appeared on screen. You're all in black. Your hair is quite long at the moment, as we saw in the last video call last weekend on the rest or on the rest day, and you slicked it all back. So all we can see is all this beautiful, almost black hair slicked back. Your hairline is quite low on your forehead. You've got a, you've got a very young <laughs> hairline, like like a child's. There's no receding going whatsoever. In fact, it, no, there isn't. No, it's amazing. It's like a fine head yeah. of hair that's just been slicked back, and you've got your ear drawn on. Every day, I'm like, at what point am I gonna a lose my hair or b go grey? Well, it's just it's not happening. No. Ned, you've well, you both got good good. You know, David was seeing a bit I've, either side, yeah. a bit grey on the I got, the I got temples. Ned, yeah. you're, you're hanging in well. <laughs> Cheers, Pete. What's, the, um, what's your genetic trajectory look like vis-a-vis -vis your hair? Are you likely to lose your hair or, or is it hard to say? Well, it's your, it's your mum's side, isn't it? Is it? It's your mum's dad, who you apparently are. Hmm. I think that's and right. he died early, but he had a full set of hair. Nice. So he was young. He was like fifth in his 50s oh, he was but he good. still had a full he was set good to go then and it was it was it was jet black as well oh. yeah. so I think I'm safe wow. but I reckon what about you your, your dad's your dad's genetics would have a bit of a bearing on it like maybe no because no? my dad's completely bald so you're so just, you're just mom, in denial his mum's about that. dad okay his mum's dad must have also been bald huh. and also my dad's dad um, was receding and was bald so it's obviously I mean I don't know if it's true. Look, this is one of the things that you Well, we'll find out, Pete. Don't, don't worry. Somebody's going to tell us. Email hello at neverstraysfar.com. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's our email address. Yeah, do contact yeah. us. You know, yeah. audio content. We're always available for that. Hello at neverstraysfar.com. Yeah, mm. yeah, sign up. Whatever. This is quite a popular opinion type of subject, isn't it? it? Is. Where, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'd imagine probably 80% of our listeners have had this exact conversation. Yeah, I think maybe. you might be right. Well, I've got I've got a sneaking feeling that our some of our listeners are of a certain demographic where they might be affected by the issues being discussed in this podcast. Um, help is available. Um, we can put <laughs> we can we, we can point you in the way. Have we got of, a sponsor? Have we got a sponsor now? Ten <laughs> percent. Doping for us, hard. Yeah, but Pete, just, I just guess, slot, I, slot it straight in there. You know. Guess I guess what we like you to can know. head over to Alperson <laughs> where you can receive fifty percent off your first order. You can't Pete, actually. Pete. No 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 that's that was a joke. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh Pete, I guess Yo, what I need to know from what? you is is this the definitive haircut for July? And are you gonna are you gonna or are you just experimenting? Are you gonna come up with something completely different for July? Oh, this is the problem and the dilemma I have every single year. Because I I do experiment quite a bit of my hair. Last year I had the straight yeah. the straight ridge fringe, mm. which was like kind of ravery style, and I was quite enjoying like the, it. Like the and footballer, I quite liked, um, Phil Foden. Yeah, but it was like a bit longer. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't yeah. as cut back. Yeah, but, true. And I I do quite enjoy just having your hair or dressing how you please. But then there comes a point where when you're on TV, you have got to look slightly professional and. Not like you're going to Berlin for the <laughs> Maybe. I think you should. I think we need think to do that. I think on the panel, it's a point in black you. Maybe it's a conf maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. But so last year, I, I I changed it. Two weeks before, got the sensible, you know, tapered sides and nice slip back, but not long. Where and then I got to a point. I think it was after the tour of Portugal last year. I was like, right, I'm growing my hair. I want long hair, and I'm still on this journey. As we That's speak, good. Well, you live in a dream. So, it's but then, it, then it leads on to so when you get long hair, and I can't grow a beard or anything or sides or anything like that. So I just have these like 
it gets to a point where the sides are really long and it all looks out of shape. So I went to the hairdressers just before I came here and I was like, I just need this, you know, bit taken off the sides and it all tidying up, but I don't want anything else touched because yeah, I'm growing my hair. And then, but I hadn't really realized how long it had got. And I basically walked out with a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just thought of it. Maybe, so it's, that's where maybe it's because you have, no facial hair you have more follicles is that a word on on your head maybe it's kind of oh come on david there's no there's no science there there's no science it's more energy that. that's a long shot it's more energy it's more energy more for your scalp energy what because your scalp energy what scalp are you talking about anyway okay i wonder i wonder why though like can someone out there answer the question why why like i always thought i'd I mean, like, why don't I grow a beard? Why can't I grow anything yeah. there? Good question for our listeners. Yeah. Why can't Pete Kenyuk grow a beard? Hello at neverstraysfar.com. Thank you. Hello at <laughs> so. Hey, guys, anyone see the bike race today? Actually, I did. No, before we get onto that. No. Before we get onto that, Pete, you've moved. Last time we spoke, you were in the Isle of Man. Now you're in your happy place, yeah. right? Not that you're, the Isle of Man yeah. isn't your happy place. It's a different kind of happy place. It's a very different type of happy place, yeah. I uh, yeah, I flew to Brussels, picked up the car and drove to Teens, which is mine and David's. Mm. Well, it's both our happy places because we discovered it. Yeah. In 2019. Yeah, I think someone um, had discovered it prior to you and built like, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of infrastructure there. But yeah, no, fair I'm enough. not saying we're like yeah. Christopher Columbus or anything like what? <laughs> Everybody Teens. Like the Lost Valley. <laughs> no, we, t- like for ourselves, because <laughs> I'd been going to altitude camps well, pretty much my whole career and never, I did, didn't realise there was a place that actually had shops and restaurants and bars, even though they're all shut as we speak. But yeah, it's nice, it's isn't really it? It's really nice. Well, you don't like it, Ned, because you hate the Alps. But. Well, I do hate the Alps and I, I, I hated going into the Alps briefly like at the Giro just for the last 24 hours. I thought it was a gruesome experience, if I'm perfectly honest. Really? But, um, <laughs> but, but you sent a picture. So I do associate Teeny with kind of summer. Even though last time we were there in 2019, it was the day after the landslide, wasn't mm. it? And it poured with rain. But I do associate all these places with July. Uh, have we not been there since? No. No. Have we? No. We'd have been excited about that. No. Yeah, yeah, we have. We have. Have we? I know, oh, but the race well, might it have, been. have been. It could only have been last year, Pete. Because. Oh, no, we haven't been there. The yeah, race and been that's where we got it because we were in England. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what? But um, so how long are you there for? Y- a proper altitude yeah. training camp. Well, the guards have been there for it'll be two weeks on Sunday or Monday. Wow! And then we drive basically two hours to the start of Alps Azer, which Teens is in the Azer region. So it's worked out really well, and the weather's been fine for this time of year. So happy days. That's weird. The riders in all the box ticked. It, all the box ticked. But you a, had you had good weather when you crossed it. over the border yesterday, yeah, ish, and now you've gone back to Italy and it's pants again, Ned. Oh, mate, Italy! I don't know what's going on. Like literally, so the the the, the front line of the Alps, the the Simplon Pass, which is basically like the big first big ridge you have to get over to get into Switzerland as you travel north from um from Italy, is acting as a kind of meteorological barrier to curtain. So the other side of the Simplon Pass is sunshine and hmm. early summer. And it's been this way for days. You go over the top and the, and the far side of the pass, like we saw again today, is just, it's just the whole Po River Valley stretching right to Emilia Romagna has just been a, under a grey sheet of rain for a week. Wow. And it's no, no sign of, of letting up either. It, it's, it's really, it's genuinely starting to affect all our moods and stuff because we haven't seen the sun since, uh, for a week, since the last rest day. That we haven't seen the sun. I mean, it's just... I don't know how the riders bonkers. are dealing with it. It's well, not it's very well, judging by kind of what we're reading and seeing. It's kind of yeah. it seems that. And what's the what's the dropout? It's the highest ever drop dropout rate in recent uh, history well, to, to, till now. I, I might be one or two out here, but um, we are already less than the COVID year. Wow! Like twenty twenty, the Teo Gegenhart, yeah, um, Oct- October um, um, edition of the race. We're already, I think, on fewer riders. Uh, we've still got a week to go and the hardest week. So, <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Uh, but but it is interesting, David. I hadn't really appreciated this because it kind of predates my understanding of cycling. So this is the sort of his, the granular history details that I, I'm still learning about. But I hadn't realized, David, that when you were starting out, 
um, actually in, in the Grand Tours in the late 90s and the early 2000s, quite often you used to finish with under 100. And I don't ah. know what the reason for that is. So like the 98 Tour de France, I think only had you know, 94 finishes or something like that. That's Festina and it was Affair. Quite standard back then. Yeah, Festina. Yeah, that Affair. was the. Uh, so yeah. they just got. Pantani was sat got, on the floor. Yeah. How many teams got hiked off on the Festina year then? I think one team. Festina, obviously, the but then team. I think then there were yeah. loads of riders just started jumping ship. Yeah. Okay. I guess yeah. that was the reason. <laughs> yeah, but it's um, it is it's going to be a record-breaking low finish for a Grand Tour. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So a lots happened yeah. since recent, we last spoke. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, for us. I mean, I. What ha what happened to no no sorry. just saying because it's, like it's gone say, from being what? super exciting kind of going to be the Giro oh. of all Giros to kind yeah. of a little bit muted now. I think so. What has actually happened? What happened? What happened today? I didn't see it. Okay, so today they rolled out of Switzerland. They had to get over this massive. It was a really strange profile. They simply had to go up this enormous thirty-kilometer climb, but at a very gentle gradient, and then a forty-kilometer descent the other side, flat all the way to the finish with a, a few ripples just towards the, the finishing line. So a, t a, a 29 rider break eventually went, uh, went over the top and um, the bunch then just sat up. And the best placed oh. rider in that group was, was um, Bruno Armirail, huh. the um, domestique, who's having the best year of his life actually because he's, he's the reigning French time trial champion. And he actually, in the long time trial last weekend, he beat Primoz Roglic. Hmm. Like it's faster than Roglic. So he's going well, but still, he's eight, he was 18 minutes 44 down, and they gave him the jersey. Oh, right. Yeah, they just yeah. gave him it. So what? They, crossed the, yeah. they crossed the line 21 minutes after the race was won. Um, and so Geraint, you know, Ineos just decided, we'll give him that. And I thought that was, a, I mean, I hadn't factored that in. It became obvious that's what they were doing. But then I wondered whether Jumbo Visma would just try and... It wouldn't Make have cost it, them I much. I thought that. Well, it, but then the final was just sketchy because they'd have had to pick it up and then... I, I mean, judging, because I watched the, fi the final yesterday as well. And did you see it yesterday, Pete? No. no. It was um, <laughs> breakaway and then nothing happened on the final climb. They did the shorten the stage down to like 72Ks. So it turned into... And I saw it kicking off on Twitter. It was brilliant. And... I was like, what are people talking about? The stages are always much better when they're 70Ks long in the mountains. Ob obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Like for 10 everybody. times better. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it was. And so it was. It was a full it's on. It's taken a lot of um, old, old school boxes, though, David, isn't it? Low number of finishes. Yeah. Um, GC team who are leading, letting the break go yeah. and take the jersey. Yeah. Yeah. It's full, full circle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But then, yeah, but so yesterday, then nothing happened in the GC behind. Ineos controlled it. And then uh, Geraint kind of kicked out as a show of force with like three, four hundred meters to go. Like a strong one, to, like behind, oh, yeah. just to get on kind of fifth. Um, but it was <coughs> kind of one of, so, and Roglic just sat on him. Like, yeah. didn't he? And just was He's, just kind of almost mate, just like picking his nose, just kind of like, David, what are you doing? David, Roglic is in full orange peeling mode Isn't at the he? moment. And, and, and Thomas knows it. G knows yeah. it. Like he didn't even try an out sprint, Garant. No. He just, he just like he just, he just ghosted up alongside him in the sprint and just went uh, and, and 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 just marking him there. And and a, a little detail as they crossed the line on the on one of the super slow motions yesterday, mm. um, they crossed the line and the camera just caught Roglic just reaching out to Sepkus and a little fist bump like that, just as in like perfect. that was it. Playing out perfect. perfectly. Perfect. It's just playing out perfect. So, yeah, mind games all. But So I half expected Jumbo Visma just to pin mm. Ineos in the pink jersey today and just say, uh-uh, we see what you're doing, but you stay in pink. Mm. You know, because it wouldn't have cost them much, would it, just to no. get on the front and just ride at one kilometer an hour faster, and that would have been fine, you know. I think and, that would have then been... been a, a but game. I think that would have then kind of shown their colors a little. You know, they're almost kind of really just have decided to kind of keep their noses clean completely and yeah. not even think about, not even let Ineos know that they're playing games with them. Yeah. Because that would have been a clear sign. That would have been a, would have been a great move. It would have been fantastic. <laughs> it would have been cool. Yeah. It would have been very cool. Yeah, just <laughs> annoying. That, that would have really made it old school. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, actually, 
<laughs> nice try. But um, but I'm, I'm I'm pretty pleased for old Bruno Armirai actually. That's that's pretty that's pretty cool. He's a good he's a you know and he's he's going really well. He's, and he's a good he's a good egg. He's, he's a good he's egg. A good he's egg. a good egg. You know what? He's only won What's a he's only won one bike race in his career. Oh wow! The, the national trial championship last year. The nationals. I didn't realize that the Frenchies haven't been in pink oh, could you since 1999. And it was Laurent Jalabert. That's yeah. wild. That's crazy. It's pretty. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised by that fact. Actually, that was. It's so. It's so interesting, isn't it? The the comparison between the Giro and the Tour. It's like, obviously, to wear the yellow jersey in the Tour is like better than to wear it in the Giro. But there's so much more. There's there's something in my gut that wants me to wear the the jersey in the Giro more, but I know it's not right. If that yeah. makes sense, it's weird. It's hard. To, really hard to explain in my head. Yeah, it's weird. Maybe just because it's quite... It is a cool jersey, the pink jersey, isn't it? It's, it's just cool, yeah. It's a it? cooler colour. Yeah, it by is. By far. In fact, in fact, in in descending order of cool colours, it's Giro leader's jersey, Vuelta leader's jersey that you wore, Pete. Well, David's worn them all. And yellow jersey is by far the least cool. <laughs> I never wore the red jersey, I think is what Ned's saying. I wore a gold jersey before they oh, switched it to jersey. red. Yeah. You wore oh, gold yeah, it was jersey? Gold, yeah, it? it was a gold jersey before. What what's what's our thoughts on the gold versus red? Well, I it's like red, red, red. I wasn't I wasn't happy at first. That's no, good. But now, if yeah, it I've, would also I've, it's warmed on me. If I had them framed, it would look much cooler to have pink, red, and yellow rather than gold, yeah. yellow, and pink. It's pr- properly differentiated, mm, yeah. isn't it? And red thing, is like yeah. a very like Spanish red. color. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. La Roja. Very oh, God, isn't isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what, what, just, isn't it just? Yeah, but it's the way you said it. Oh, isn't it just? <laughs> like, yeah, I went a bit Jackie Kenya, but um, <laughs> that's Pete's mum. Uh, yeah, for those who don't. No, know it, it just it, it just is though, isn't it? It's yeah. just 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 pause. Ned, I got a a project. Do you know why the Gazetta was printed on pink paper in the first place? It's a very good question. I mean, the the tradition of printing sports papers on pink newspaper. I I love how you and David can't help but go dip into history. You know, <laughs> it's like it's within you. It's like actually, like I just say something like out of not out of context, but you know, a bit out there, and then you know, right, Ned. Do you know why? <laughs> it just <laughs> suddenly occurred to me. I was like, actually. Back into yeah. the serious stuff. It, people will be like, why is it pink? Well, it's because the newspaper's pink. But then you're like, why the hell is the newspaper pink? Why was the newspaper pink? <laughs> I, 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 it's, a really, it's a really good question. I mean, there was a famous sports paper in, in, in Britain called The Pinken, you know, that used to print the, print the sports results. And it's printed on sp- pink paper. I wonder if it was um, cheap. Not, I don't know. I don't. I, no, I, d- I really don't. Okay, know. you're in the right um, place. You can ask RCS. I'll try and find out for the next pod. It, it is interesting. Um, the Pinken, by the way, used to go to press. <laughs> Who was telling me this the other day? Because it's obviously uh, it predates my experience. But it used to go to press, and it was mainly football results. That was the key thing, right? It used to go to press before <laughs> before the matches had finished. What they guess? <laughs> Yeah, no, they ju- they wouldn't Take guess, but they just say that like they'd print the results. You know, it's three two at half time. That that'll do. You know, good good luck with the rest. Sort of like wow. Out. So the, you never got the results. <laughs> quite interesting. Yeah, to I buy mean, the next the day papers. That? It's good. Yeah. It's good business. What's more interesting? Yeah. What's more interesting is like what color would the Giro jersey be if Lagazetta wasn't pink? Yeah. See, that's why that was my point because pink has nothing to do with Italy. Italy. No, it's got to do with Lagazetta. Yeah. It's. But it looks so cool. And the other thing about the pink jersey, and I think you're right, Pete. You haven't answered my question. <laughs> well, it, that <laughs> what would be? Okay, Pete, what would the colour be for Italy? Oh, yeah. Blue? Green. Azzurro. 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 Right. But why, why Azzurro? Because of the Mediterranean? It's a good question, isn't it? Because the, the colour blue doesn't feature in their... F- <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of circles here. <laughs> so... <laughs> that is amazing, isn't it? So they've kind of like got pink as their identity yeah. for cycling. They've got azzurro as for everything else. Like yeah. the, a, the sports teams are all dressed in blue. Yeah. And their flag is green, white and red. <laughs> They're just owning it all. There's it's no colours so left Italian, available for anyone else. 
It's true that the green, white, and red look really good on blue. No, you know not I mean? when um, not I not, not on out. the um, Giro d'Italia uniforms. Oh no, <laughs> that I resolutely refuse to wear. I'm the, you know, I'm the only member of the RCS staff who just walks around like this. Just British Ned. And they're so disappointed in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Matt, Matt um, well, we talked about it in this actual pod, if you <laughs> listen to it. Um, Matt, Matt walks around in full <laughs> branded stuff like every day. Loves it. Like double branded, triple branded. And the latest, the latest contract has been given to Kappa. Oh, yeah. brilliant. So they've, oh, they've, nice. pro- they've provided all the, the uniform for this year. And it's just gone up a font size. Class. So that the Giro d'Italia <laughs> is, not o- get poppers? is not only um, enormous now, but it's also like it's the, it's 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 really thick. The stuff that they put on the t-shirts, <laughs> David, you'll know this is a yeah. kind of like, and it's almost like it's almost made of like beer mat material. So it yeah, holds like itself out like really three dimensional. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yes. that's just kappa though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You'd probably quite you'd put it on, Pete. <laughs> I, I I I I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I refuse to. Mm. But yeah. but it's very cool, David. You saw the actual um the fight. Not, not the fight for pink, but the fight for stage 14 today um, the, the, from the breakaway. It's pretty cool today, wasn't it? It was really cool. Good race. And this is, how do you pronounce it? G or G? The, the Canadian. Oh, G. G. Derek G. He's a revelation. What the hell? He's like in he, he, every break. You know uh, he's, he's, finished, uh, he's finished second three times and fourth uh, just the other day. And he's in every break. And he is... Oh, he's unbelievable. And today guy. was the closest he got. He could, quite possibly, if he wants to try and target it, he could win the Maglia Ciclamino, and he's not a sprinter. When was the last time that happened? <laughs> Don't know. Uh, For. I, no one knows, because no one's bothered to find out. But it's a fact <laughs> I'm going to have to go and, it's a fact I'm going to have to go and look up ahead of tomorrow's commentary. He, he genuinely could do that, because Pascal Ackerman's got limited opportunities to pick up more points in sprints because there aren't very many sprints left. And G seems to be able to just every day just it's oh, so durable. What uh, you might have you might have talked about on your last on the podcast you've done in between the ones that we last did, but the sprint where Cav was second or third, where Ackerman won. Yeah. Oh What do you mean? I I was just like it when I was watching it, it felt like he went too too early. Mm. But it was because everyone else came so late. It's like perception. Because he went with like 150 to go. But he almost didn't need to, did he? Mm. But you see as a sprinter, 150 to go, it's like, right, go. Yeah. And everyone, oh, it was, I feel like that, I mean, I'm doing the R because I felt like that was going to be a stage. He's up there though. Which is going well. Yeah. Yeah. He is, yeah. Which is a brilliant sign. Because he's got a third, great, isn't he's it? Got a third, and he's got a fourth sliding across the line on his ass, um, <laughs> and and he's still in the race. And do you know what? I he's enjoying it. Like I think we spoke about this last mm. time, didn't we? And he's yeah. he's climbing. He's climbing really well. And I isn't that a good sign? I yeah. know it's got yeah, nothing. Yeah. I, got, I know it's got nothing to do with how you sprint, but isn't it just a good sign? Of it is a good sign, and it's, and it's like, good sign for for Mark because he loves. We I think we spoke about it. He just loves overloading himself completely. And it's like, this is, that's where he'll be thinking now. He almost takes it. I just remember his facial expression when he crossed the line and realised that it came whatever third. And it was, you obviously can't see it when you listen to the podcast, but it was kind of like. I know, ah, I know exa- like it's so, exactly it. It was, it was like, it was like, it was like, ah, like, oh, I could have done that. It was, and it, for me, when I seen it, I was like, wow, like he's still that bothered. Mm. Yeah, but it wasn't full on like shake head rage, no, it wasn't. bang the handlebars. It, no, it was, it was his own like, mistake. There was a, he just there was a degree. He knew. It's so much. You can read so much into that little gesture because there's a degree of satisfaction in it as well. About there was, I, there was, th- yeah, yeah. I'm there, but damn it, yeah. Just that final bit was missing. Damn it, like, yeah. Sort of like ah, that was close. Mm. That was close. But it does feel like it's kind of. It's, I, I completely. Agree and it with was it. like he knows he can that he can do it, and it was like actually, yeah. So I was like. Like you say, that satisfaction, it was like a split second, wasn't it? This sort of grimace, smile. Mm. Mm, hang on. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I took from it anyway. Yeah. But nice. yeah, going back to today's finale, David, any other... Obs- Derek G, amazing. Um, did you see how he got d- He got yeah. walloped in the face by Nico Dents? That was quite cool. Well, I didn't <laughs> see that bit. 
Well, as they cross the line, right, and G's coming fast, isn't he? Yeah. And he's closing fast. He's almost getting there. But Dents is already, he's got there. He just gets his wheel over the line yeah. and he puts his hands in the air to celebrate. And his right hand, <laughs> just no. comes out. he doesn't know he's there. He just catches him on full on the oh, face. I didn't, the I didn't, I hand, didn't, I missed that. Clatters him. I tell you what, Dents is so strong because he closed that gap down first. He did a Mathieu van der Poel. He did a Mathieu van, van der Poel and he kind of used it. Used the front group as then his second, as his lead out. Bridge close enough yeah. then used them. It was bloody impressive. It was actually a really exciting final, Pete, because yeah. it kind of four, was it four riders, five riders got off the front at the 29 and then the group yeah, behind four, split yeah. and just managed to catch them on the line. It was very good. Yeah. yeah. You know, Matthew van der Poel, you know, he, you know, Cicchini, the, the old school Cicchini, doctor. yeah. Cicchini, sorry, my Italian, mm. not up to scratch there. Um, he, what's the crack with him and Cicchini's son? And their relationship. I don't know. Does he, li- does he spend because time in Luca? He's literally on his Instagram with his son. Really? Etc. Yeah. Huh. Which I don't understand why no one's ever. I only know this because my brother. Yeah. Was talking to me about it the other day, and he was like, "How has no one ever really questioned the fact that he's hanging around with this doctor that's been? Well, he's hanging around with the doctor's well, son. That should be doctor's son, yeah. but it's still not good, is it? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Obviously, uh, the Vanderpool family are not here to comment on these. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, no, I mean this is this is what podcasts are for, though, aren't they? Like, yeah, just openly it's a, I mean, discussing. That does happen in cycling, though, doesn't it? These kind of like casual uh, associations. You think, well, that's a that's not a good look. Um, no, and, uh, no. Uh, and it's, it's it's that kind of. I'm just saying, like as a you know, as a cyclist at this day and age, you would do everything in yeah. your power to sort of distance yourself from that part of the sport whether it's the fact that your best mates with yeah but then the doctor's son or Cavendish goes and hangs out in um, Mallorca with Lance Armstrong doesn't he bizarrely you know so uh, you know it's just about you can't really I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say here I tell you what I tell you what's not a great look today and this was a detail in the race David that (laughs) I'm sure eluded you when the 29 riders got together on the Clopes uh, on the the Simplon Pass Mm. It was a red letter day today for Aeolo Cometa because you know their general uh, manager is Ivan Basso. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. And know. Ivan Basso finished in his hometown today. It's only a little oh, place what? outskirts of Milan. So obviously Aeolo Cometa were like, ooh, 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 yeah. ooh, full on. Yeah. Um, they only had one rider in the original 25 rider break. Sorry, 27 rider break. And then when that mo- that move was already three minutes up the road, or 2.45 up the road, and uh, two riders from Aeolo Cometa nice. countered. Nice. Right? And you're going, and, and Puccio just slightly borderline bullied them and went, well, you're just making yourselves look stupid now and just kind of let them go, didn't, you know? So the, mm. these two riders chipped off. Then we saw them kind of like establish a 10 second lead. They got two minutes 45 to try and get across, yeah? Mm-hmm. Then we didn't see them again. Oh, right? really? 20 minutes later, camera at the back of the peloton, whoom, they suddenly appear. Wow. And I'm thinking, eyebrows raised all over the place for me, that one. It was like, it was, that was, hey Pete, you know, talking about old school racing, that felt quite old school to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow, that would be hard to pull off. like it. In modern cycling. I do and don't. Yeah, it's kind of what I think as well. Were they there in the no, final? No, you can get away with a lot though, can't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. Especially in just to, just to wrap up my um, the last my last comment. I'm I'm quite naive when it comes to drug taking and cycling, and I always have been because I feel like if you if you feel like everyone's doping, then you can't love the sport and you can't enjoy it. And but through my whole career, I've always just expected the best out of everyone and when you see the guys like G Teo performing like they are for me that gives me even more confidence in the Mm. sport because I know for a fact they're not doping but I just think it's strange that how do you how's a Dutch cyclist hang out with an Italian doctor's son is what I was alluding to basically yeah no I mean I I think it's an interesting point no no I think it's it's definitely fair enough to bring it up yeah, but then I guess if you then put it in the perspective, if Cicchini was basically 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, 
and there's a chance that kind of mm. and I know that his son is quite a playboy in the Luca scene um, and has a nice clothes shop and stuff so it's perfectly possible that he knows him from yeah yeah oh exactly yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm saying that yeah, I'm not saying mm. Vanderpool's a doper I'm just saying it's just weird yeah just what I was trying to get mm. to basically yeah yeah it is weird. What's what's on the cards for what's on the cards for tomorrow, guys? David, Pete, what are you up to? I've got the kids. Nicole's out doing one of her crazy runs, and so I'm with oh, the kids what? all morning. How far? How far is she running? I think it's like a crazy trail run, like about twenty k's, twenty five k's, like oh, okay. properly trail. Yeah. yeah, but it looks the weather's <laughs> going to be apocalyptic here tomorrow morning as well, apparently. But oh, really, that. Oh, but what's more important? I did Langley this week, guys. I rode the Angler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How was it? I've never done oh, that. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I did it on Wednesday. Yeah. I did it with that with GCN. We did making a little film about it with Connor Dunn. And we did the final, we did like 57 Ks. So we did the two climbs before. And it's the top of Angler. 2,800 meters and 57 Ks. How <laughs> <laughs> mad is that? Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. Did- did you give it the full bifter, David? Did well, you not full bifter, because you literally just have to kind of go full bifter just to get up it. Just yeah, because the last yeah. 4Ks, and I had a 34-34, which is very small gear. And I was looking yeah. afterwards, and there were kind of <laughs> segments where I was at like three kilometers an hour for like 300 meters. I oh, mean, it's what? just, you've just got to get up get up it. It was amazing. And we had a beautiful day. And the, the last 4Ks came to the conclusion, and I was speaking also to... Chechurubiera and actually saw Samu Sanchez as well. Oh wow! Yeah, I know because this they're, is such an old school. I know, podcast, isn't it? Really, isn't it? Talking about old school it's racing, there, old isn't school it? Games. Yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. But we've dropped a lot of old school. Yeah, names, yeah. But then what is Samu Sanchez? Yeah, and was thinking <laughs> after I did it, and you kind of realise because that was where I did my my protest in two thousand and two, and it was the first time we kind of done anything like that, and we didn't bikes we didn't have compacts we were having to some riders were getting triple chain sets from like touring bikes and stuff like that to put on our bikes and it was actually Angleroo that kind of changed the whole sport because then that's when the kind of races realized they could put us up stupid things and we'd do it and then that kind of changed the whole industry in a way because they had to start pros were allowed to use compacts because before that, be I thought Anse. I thought Anse changed the industry, and then when you walked your general yeah. manager over and you rode for confidence, <laughs> they did. Said, they probably had. This is what we need. They had six fifty <laughs> wheels thought, on their I bikes. I thought that was the change. They did. They did. They were far <laughs> ahead. But it's um. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting because got up there, and it was actually not so bad getting up there on the right gear. Because, but if you think, and it was kind of reminding me to that when I started in '97, it was almost shameful to have a twenty-three on your bike. You know, and it's it was only like a couple ah, of years okay. later getting a twenty five. It's like you really had to persuade the mechanics to put a twenty five on your bike, and thirty nine was wow. the smallest front, like small ring we'd have. And now, what what are they riding now, Pete? Because I, I don't know what big rings. That, I know the pros going into like thirty six, kind of thirty four sometimes in compacts. But what what are the big rings that are being used? Good question. Tram is ten on the. They go ten on the on the back yeah. as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, in going. 54, 10. 54-10, Jesus. So it's kind of gone like really big at the bigger end and really yeah. small at the small end, which yeah. is kind of... But you can... Ba- it's not even a question of what they're riding. It's just what you need. Well, that's it. You can you can do it, basically. Which I think yeah. is one of the reasons... There's no... It goes back to kind of why the sport's faster now as well. It's the fact that we have gears that we need and can use. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as simple as that. It's like we're not like you can actually pedal yeah. on a. If climb. you go back, it's the funniest thing. If you go back and like watch, and let's just say the '89 Tour de France, that's the one I've seen most recently. Kind of old clips of Fignon and Le Mans battling it out on, in the mountains. They are slogging the gears. I've seen a thread on Twitter about why this is why it looks so epic yeah. as well, which I totally get. Because no, it's there's nothing epic about someone sat on the saddle like Roglic, for forty just minutes, windmilling, Roglic, ninety-five revs yeah. per minute. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's not entertaining. It's not good to watch. Could you imagine your whole body going yeah. from left all the way over the handlebars? <laughs> yeah, right all the way back over the handlebars, fifty revs per and, minute. And that's why it's just that's why yesterday Pino's climb was so good to watch because that was like watching the, a nineteen eighty nine summit finish, wasn't it? 
Oh yeah, because Pino, Pino does that. He's like ah oh, to left and right, and he properly <laughs> lost it as well. He absolutely, oh he lost his shit. Oh mate, a chimp came full out. Yeah, and this little oh, you know, so Pedro was pretty blameless really, but yeah. Pino was just just screaming one, at him. Yeah, and like, one of his quotes, yeah. Pete, after the finish was, "I just didn't want Cepeda to win." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just it didn't matter. It didn't, didn't matter. Didn't matter. Just didn't want him to win. Yeah, <laughs> that's old school. Right? La rage, la rage. <laughs> It's brilliant. Well, that's that's <laughs> so Isn't good. It? Yeah. This is what we need in the sport. This yeah. is brilliant. Pino's good. Pino is Pino's good. good, but he was so angry. I'll tell you what, Yumbo bringing the break back today or holding it would have been the that ice indicator podcast, wouldn't oh, it? It would have been great. Yeah. Oh, You're right. No, I wish they'd just done modern it. Modern cycling. Yeah. They need to listen to this uh, retro podcast. Well, <laughs> get some ideas. I'm gutted that Patrick <laughs> didn't listen to our podcast, not putting Remco in the tour. I know, yeah. He didn't, didn't know what he's doing, does uh, he, Lefebvre? You know what? You know what? I thought about this when when I left the podcast, and I was like, "Actually, no, it's the wrong. Absolutely, it's the wrong thing to do." Someone like Remco, it, the tour is not a race you go to anymore. Half measures to just see what it's like because it, that would be the most awful experience of your life. That's true. Yeah, it's full commitment. Don't come. Yeah. Don't come no, with your common nothing. sense. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Anyway, just wanted to cover my back. So yeah, <laughs> cover my back. All right, All right, so uh, what's what's the plan on Monday, guys? Can we do a rest day podcast, you reckon? Yeah, How's definitely. Stacking up. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I can do that, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That's the plan. All right. Easy as that. Wrap up. All right. All, All right. right. Ciao. See ya. Ciao, belly. Bye. See you later, guys. Bye.